Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Guys, huge news. After a year of recording remotely on Zoom, we are finally going live again. We're recording two episodes back to back every single month in London. We're doing a London residency. Genuinely could not be more excited. And it's at the Museum of Comedy. It's a fantastic venue and you can come and see one show or you can stay for the double header. Shows are at 7 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. Our first show is on the 20th of July and then 31st of August, 28th of September, 26th of October. Those are all Tuesdays. It's Tipsy Tuesday. Tickets can be purchased from www.drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Residency. 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 <laughs> Tipsy Tuesdays. Drunk women solving crime. Drunk women. Drunk women solving crime. Drunk women. Now it's time. Drunk women solving crime. This is Drunk Women Solving Crime. My name's Taylor Glenn, and I'm a writer and comedian. I'm joined by screenwriter Hannah George. Hello. As well as author and comedian Katie Wilkins. Hello. This is where beer meets breaking and entering, Prosecco meets perjury, and vodka meets vandalism. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime... It's the longest we you've ever heard. We think it's ended and then it starts again. Shh. Bill Gates is a great man. What? <laughs> anyway. I like big books and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> this case blows my mind. Now it's time for 
drunk women sold in and welcome to yet another edition of Drunk Women Solving Crime. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest for this episode. We haven't seen her in the longest time, so we're feeling all very reunion-y. It's great to see her, even though it's just on the screen. Please welcome comedian and writer, Sajila Karshi. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm so excited to be here and see you. Yeah, it has been ages and ages and ages yeah. since it's all Well, Sajila, we always kick off the podcast the same way. And that's to go right in with a question. Have you ever been the victim of a crime? Well, there was a real crime, actually. Um, and I talked about it loads on stage, so it's not going to be triggering or anything to talk about it. But I went to Pakistan for a wedding when I was three months pregnant uh, with my son and my family members. Yeah. I got held hostage <gasps> by... Some extremists. Oh, that's that's that's. Oh um, my god! I know. I know. I know. Wow. I know. Such drama. Such drama. Because it's like if I'm going to get on the show, I'm going to make sure that I've got a bloody juicy story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tell um, us more. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. So I think it all started uh, because I went to the wedding and I wanted to go around and sort of have walks and stuff. And they said, "Oh, this this guy is called Atul Hussain." He's doing this thing. We should go and see it. So I've got no idea who this guy is. Turns out he's the leader of this organization and he used to be a taxi driver in London. Anyway, so we go there and there's this man in a crane and the crane's like quite high up. They're kind of swinging it around really fast and they've got like this anthem, Dil Dil Pakistan, right? It's like really kind of, it's like a rock quite a rock anthem and they're singing and then all these people are kind of applauding and there's there's, oh. there's flower petals being thrown everywhere so it looks wow. like it's really like it's a wedding or something huge and then this guy comes over with a baton and he says to me and my aunt oh um look you better sit down because it's the holy man and I'm like he's not a bleeding holy man he's a taxi driver from London <laughs> holy about that yeah, the drivers they're a little bit more holy I would say but yeah because they do turn up really quickly like bing that's magical isn't it that's magical he said oh you know get on the floor and my aunt's going oh, come get on the floor and I said I'm not getting on the floor I'm not getting close dirty do you know what I mean and yeah. they're all looking at me like oh she's the English girl you know the <laughs> rares and graces I'm, like, I'm sorry girls I said we do, just because they've told us to sit and I'll get all feminist just because they told us to sit on the floor we don't have to you know he's no the boss of us he can't tell us what to do so no, no, he, he got his baton and he was about to well, this man is really short so I'm quite tall okay. for an Asian woman and so he's quite small and he got his baton and he just looked ridiculous and I just wanted to smack him on the head he was such a silly little boy and um, but I grabbed the baton and I said what are you doing and he said and then he got all scared like he's not used to women like it and my aunt said going no leave it Sheila leave it it's not worth it and um, I said no you don't what do you, what do you think you're doing with this and he said I, I just wanted you to sit on the floor because you know it's the whole I said I'm not sitting on the floor so take your baton and get away from us oh my <laughs> gosh in the best Urdu that I could muster but wow. which has got a very English accent so if you speak if you you know if you consider like Monge 2 you know from well that's the equivalent of my Urdu now <laughs> it's got a really strong English accent anyway so um, I think that's where it all started um, because I refused to bow down Ooh. to this, you know, this, this this taxi driver from London who's yeah. now the head of this organisation. I went to the wedding. I'm asleep at my grandmother's house yeah. and everybody in, in Pakistan, right, is your auntie or uncle, even if they're not related to you, even if they touch you inappropriately, you mustn't mention anything. <laughs> I mean, your daddy. But anyway, so <laughs> everybody's auntie and uncle there. We like went to the wedding, came back. I'm sleeping in the lounge, which has got the, it's the coolest room and there's a fan above me um and then I, I heard some sort of 
smacking and stuff and screaming. And then this man kind of comes in the doorway. Whoa. And I said, um, I said, oh, hello. And thinking, oh, he must be uncle, uh, another uncle I haven't met before. And, um, and, and, then, and I said, oh, and I thought, no, just look down. And he, he, he said, oh, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And as he's going, go back to sleep, he's waving. And I saw, as he walked down, I was like, he was waving a gun. Where's uncle? New uncle. Whoa. Gun in his hand. And then I kind of lay back down because just like, you know, disorientated. Oh and then he, 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 I heard some more screaming and I heard my mum shouting. And then he comes back. And at this point I've sat up. And he said, get up, get up, get up. <gasps> and, and he's pulling me by my wedding finger. Oh, my God. Right? And uh, he pulls me up by my ring. And, and, and as he's pulling me, he's, I'm sort of rising, rising, and I get taller and taller. And then he's just <sighs> looking up to me. Another small, small, diminutive <laughs> man. And, uh, and then he's pulling off my ring, my precious ring. And he's like a little hobbit. Um, and he, he, he puts a gun in my back and, and pushes me in the room. So I'm like, immediate gut instincts, because we're so, you, you don't realise how British women, we are, quite feisty we don't like, yeah, we do kind of like what do you think you're doing and, and but he anyway he takes me to other's room in the other room and my mum's there my grandmother's there and there's like three of my aunts at different stages of pregnancy they don't oh know, even God. know I'm pregnant yet because I'm on so sort of early pregnancy wow. basically it's like um it's, it's it's like a scene from the handmaid's tale we're all oh, pregnant different stages and, yeah. and um and then my mum's there she goes oh thank goodness you're here and I said like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't go out for a kebab or something. What, what do you mean? Thank God. And there's another gunman there next to her. And she goes, I was telling this gentleman, he's not a gentleman, right? Men who carry guns, they are not gentlemen. James Bond. I, I don't think he's a gentleman, right? So he's like, no, this gentleman, I was, I was just telling him, you know, you know, when I get nervous, I have to go to the bathroom. They won't let me go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, like mum, what the hell? Just, you know, I'm trying to work out what the hell's going on. Why are these yeah. two men with guns? Uncles, you know, really <laughs> friendly uncles and uh she's she's like i want to go to the bathroom she, she turns to the guy that was in the you know the other gummer that's been with her already um and she said listen listen excuse me excuse me um i just want to say one thing um what we do is we have a little break huh and i go to the bathroom we all go to the toilet and we come back hmm? Hmm? we can continue oh, wow. and it's like what the no, no, there, there are no toilet breaks, no comfort breaks in this situation, which is actually going to be a hostage situation now. What the hell are you doing, mum? Anyway, um, so to cut a long story short, they did eventually, um, after a long kind of like, you know, loads of things that happened, put us, thanks to my mum, in the smallest room in the house, which is the toilet, which is tiny. And there's no windows there. Um, and, and, and there are like, I don't know if you've ever seen in, in, in countries like India, Pakistan, India, you know, Indonesia, you have um, they're the small to the toilets or squat toilets. So oh, basically yeah. you crouch over them, yeah. like yeah. bending, which is a bugger if you've got arthritis. I couldn't oh. do those now. Um, so it's a lot, but great for the pelvic floor, <laughs> which, is, which is a bonus, really. Good pelvic okay. floor exercises. Um, and anyway, so, so we're all there about like, you know, seven of us all crammed into this toilet wow. my mum she's going get out the way I have to go I told you I have to go oh. so she she goes pushes as much as she could in this tiny space oh. uh, to go to so we're all sort of facing the other way the opposite <laughs> so to try and give us some privacy yeah. and uh, and it's like it's like platoon <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like wait, oh my god and we we start getting the giggles <laughs> And she goes, oh, you're so rude. You're so rude. You know, I'm in such a situation here. It's like, oh my God. I was just like, notch, you know, get it down a notch. And then, um, so she finishes and my aunt says, oh, I really have to go. And of course, like I said, we're all in different stages of pregnancy. So, uh, and, and our, you know, bladder control is not great. Um, and so another aunt goes, and of course, it's it's the longest we you've ever heard. It's like, shh. 
we think it's ended and then it starts again. And then, unless it, we're, by this time we're laughing hysterically, we're just laughing so hard. And the and the gunman's like putting, you know, the, the, the extremists they're putting the gun on the door and they say, "What are you laughing at? It's not funny. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing?" And uh, I said, "No, no, we're not laughing. We're not laughing. We're not laughing." And uh, like, I mean, there is a great payoff when I do that story, uh, you know, in my show. But effectively, we were held there. They wanted to get my uncle. They wanted to kidnap him, who was a doctor, but he was oh. like working in Saudi. And said they got oh. us these gobbing women. <laughs> <laughs> just, and I think we just confused them. It's like, why are they laughing? These women, these crazy women. Say, and, what and then, is more discerning than laughing while you're being held yeah. I mean, um, that's what we did. We laughed at them and that was just like really confused them. So I think it could have been a lot worse, but we were... We weren't set free. We were kind of kept in that room until we broke out ourselves. Wow. Um, and yeah, I know. I know. That, that's For pretty ninja, long? isn't it? Like how long? <laughs> this is such an amazing story. It's yeah. crazy. How long and how did you... God, this is going to be the whole hour talking about this. I know, um, I know, but it, I do, you come and see the show. Fights yeah, like a girl. Well, this Fights is like a girl. advert. You want to yeah, isn't it? Just holy shit. I won't lie. I did have post-traumatic stress. From, yeah. From but, but then what happened was I, I came back from that trip and I actually thought, oh, that's quite a metaphor for what was going through. So anyway, I, I kind of basically ended my marriage. I sort of left my husband when I was three oh, wow. months pregnant. I think it was just like a near-death thing that you know, just makes you think, well, I just want to reassess yeah. Uh, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it was a crime, uh, technically speaking. <gasps> oh my God. And did they get arrested? Did you get rescued? Did you all just oh, run away? So did you overpower them? No. Well, what, what happened was the Karachi cops, they came and I kept saying things like, I want to speak to the British consulate. I have <laughs> no idea what a consulate is. I don't know what they do, right? But I've seen it in the movies, like Absolutely. the British consulate. I want to get talk to, you know, demanding the British consulate. <laughs> I need to Google and find out what they do. Yeah. Um, but they, so the Karachi cops, as I call them, they, they yeah. turned up and they were literally like Keystone cops. They're all fagging away, you know, they've got <laughs> their guns. And then, um, and I think one of them was like trying to make moves. I mean, I thought, oh, my, you know, big, big moustache, wow. um, uh, like, you know, chewing tobacco, really unattractive. <laughs> and, and, it, and it said, hey, baby. And I hate that. Hey, baby, uh. in an Asian accent. I hate that. And he puts his like foot up on the chair of my grandmother's oh. chair and he's got his rifle and he's trying to sort of show me like, look what a he-man he is. Wow. You know, and he sort of spits in the, you know, on the floor oh, the, no. like, thinking there's a, misses the spittoon that he's bought with him. Uh. And it's like, hey, baby. And as he does that, puts his gun down, the gun goes off, <gasps> the rifle goes off and it goes like smashes my grandmother's ceiling oh, she, went ballistic. she was like so angry so she came over and she gets slapped him really hard oh wow and said, and she said you know you you, you rude man you come into the house you, you do this and then you look at my granddaughter you know <laughs> perving on her <laughs> and she just slapped him really wow. I'm sorry because like everybody's auntie and uncle and anyone older is like your parents mm-hmm. and oh, I'm so sorry I'm, 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 I'm Miji I'm so sorry oh. So sorry, and then she just yeah, just just went for it. So um, <laughs> they came, and I and I was doing this like because I was looking at the, the the guys. I was trying to do the good cop bad cop, and like one of them, the, the gunman was a bit more shaky on his gun, and I sort of said, "Oh, you look like such a decent man." He did uh, not, uh, right? He looked like a criminal. And I said, uh, "You know, um, do you have do you have sisters? Do you have a mother? You know, because yeah. we like your sisters and your mother." And tried to do like reverse psychology thing. Yeah. And the other one came. He goes, "Don't listen to her. Don't look. Uh, don't look at him." She goes, "Don't look at him." So and I was like, "I wasn't looking." And then he said, look down. And he had a real issue with me. And then oh. he did try and pull my gold chain off my um, my neck. Oh. And, and again, he's obviously watched too many movies because it's not actually that easy to t- 
pull. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going with him and he's getting frustrated because it's not working. <laughs> like, I try and sort of read their faces. I thought I'm going to be doing the little artist kind of impression again, watching too many movies. But nobody asked me and I still can give you a full description. Do you want to get a no, no, just tell her how, how did he look like? And I said, I'll describe it. And they weren't even listening. Um, but apparently oh, two man. days after I'd left from that trip, the British consulate, somebody from the British consulate did turn up. So wow. I don't know what they would have given me. But, so yeah, there, there you go. We did get out. And, but I'm very lucky to, to survive as well, actually, because there were some more horrific kind of wow. um, things. But yeah, it was all started by this this taxi driver back that in London. Yeah, such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. I mean, we've heard it so many times on the podcast. It just <laughs> we basically ask if you had the perpetrators in front of you and you could say anything to them, do anything to them, ask them questions, whatever. What would you do? Yeah, I'd go back to them and say, so, you know what you did? I just want to say thank you because I've um, had sold out shows. <laughs> the story. Um, so what you did to me, is pretty woman moment, big mistake. <laughs> Huge. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, Sajila. Oh, my gosh. Now it's time for drunk women solving crime. My case sucks compared to that, I'm just going to say. Um, we'll do our best. Are you guys ready to solve some true crime? Yeah. Real thing? Okay. I just need a moment to process all that. Yeah. My gosh. Guys, our case today is the MK Ultra project. And I just have to say, when I asked if it was okay to do MK Ultra, our producer thought I was asking if I could do the Milton Keynes Ultra Marathon, <laughs> <laughs> which would be a diamond hard no. I could not. But your first question is Have you heard of MK Ultra? Do you know what it is? And if um, you don't know what it is, Give me your best guess. What do you think the MK Ultra project was? Mm, MK Michael Keaton. Keaton? <laughs> Keaton? Is there a Michael, Michael Keaton? Yeah, Michael Keaton, right? He's an actor. Yeah, yeah. Michael Keaton is doing stuff in Milton Keynes MK places. Yes. It was just an operation to find out what Michael Keaton's been up to. Like, we just don't, we haven't seen him in a little while. (laughs) Since lockdown. (laughs) Seen him since lockdown. Um, Hannah, Katie, any guesses? I feel like it could be like something, you know, they have things in America like Roswell or like, so something maybe slightly paranormal, the kind of the ultra thing makes me think, Mm. is this something to do with technology or I think it's American. I don't know if there's something about it that feels American. Because I think it's quite a kind MK of, Ultra. Yeah, it's kind of, it is that. Yeah. Sports, Katie. Well, MK is like the nickname of the lady that runs the London Review of Books, like Mary Kay. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's probably not her because she's in her 80s. Oh, <laughs> I really wish it were. <laughs> MK Ultra. Yeah. It also sounds like a sanitary towel. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, it does. Yeah, MK Ultra with wings. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. On wings because we're so over wings now. Are we over wings now? Are we with wings or without wings? Like you know, we should do the eyeliner in, in or out. <laughs> yeah. Wings or without wings. Wings. Or without Just wings. depends what mood you're in. 
Yeah. I, I don't have the right eyes for winged eyeliner. I'll just throw that out there. I've tried every angle and it just doesn't work on me, which oh, is a we, real shame. We'd moved on to winged eyeliner. I thought we were still talking about sanitary towels. And I was going to say, oh no, it really rubs against my legs. But like that's, <laughs> that would have made no sense at all. Well, she just, because she gestured eyeliner with wings. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be anything. Wow. Uh, so uh, soon have we gotten into sanitary products gonna, and we've hardly begun. I'm gonna okay. I've got two more guesses because I'm okay. just gonna play the field with this one. It's either play the field. cult, or okay. it's like some kind of um, you know financial bond, like it's the ultra account, the MK. Oh, you can mm. invest in the MK ultra account, and then maybe it's a scam. Ooh. Okay, these are all good guesses because they're all things that it is American, and it's all things that we do well. Michael Keaton, <laughs> technology, and Roswell and secret stuff, and all the things you said, Katie. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give you all some virtual credits. Workplace. <laughs> okay, MK Ultra. I'm really glad you don't know anything about it because it'll make it a lot more fun. MK Ultra was a top secret CIA project which mm. conducted. Hundreds of experiments on American citizens, uh, and not just American citizens, but we'll get to that, to assess the potential use of drugs for mind control, information gathering, and psychological torture. Whoa. Did they have permission to do it? We'll get to all of that. Uh, But your next question is, what years do you think the project took place from when to when? Do you know what? That's why that's why I think it sort of rang a bell when I was kind of like the, you know, the Roswell, the American, the CIA. <coughs> yeah. I, mean, I didn't say CIA, but I in my head, I knew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were I'm definitely sniffing. Yeah. So I reckon the kind of the sexiest CIA CIA times was kind of like the 50s and the 60s, just in terms of when they make the most movies about stuff that the CIA has done. It tends to be maybe that kind of era. So I'm gonna go 69 because it's funny. <laughs> But I see. I don't. I'm not sure it would be declassified yet. I wonder if it's more like 1920s to 1940s or something. Okay, so 20s to 40s. Hannah, what's your range? So ending in 69, yeah, beginning. I'll go 55 to 69. 55 to 69. Sajila, what do you reckon? Well, um, I've been watching Mad Men, so <laughs> I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go, and that feels Mad Many now. Mm. Um, I'm going to go. 50s, 50s, is it 50? Uh, yeah, because I mean, you said 69. Um, what did you say? Katie went earlier, I'm, 20 I'm 20 to 40s. 20 to 40. Okay, so I'm going to go for 50s to like early 60s. Okay. okay. Well, Hannah and Sajila, you're both the closest. In fact, you're pretty spot on. It went from 1953 to 1973. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I just want to sit and say how I feel about this. And that's not what the podcast is about. But this case blows my mind. No pun intended. So basically, World War II ended. Uh, and the Americans, as we know, they're a bit like your friend Bill, who comes to the party not till midnight, but he brings really flashy champagne to make up for it. You know, <laughs> like, sorry, I'm late, but I got the bully. So all this is going on. They seized everything the Nazis had been working on. And they found something they called the Ozenberg List, which the United States used to kick off some scientific experiments back home, including what we're about to talk about. So your next question is, what do you think was on the Ozenberg List? Mind control things. (laughs) Mind control things? Yeah, it must have been something to do with trying to control people or an army or like... It makes people suggestible to instructions, maybe. Okay, gotcha. 
So, Gilo, what do you reckon? Was it anything to do with like putting chips in people, like to, Ooh. like kind of what is it when you <coughs> monitor where they're going it's and what a they're vaccine. doing? It's a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I have mine half an hour. Well, I've had mine about forty-five minutes. Oh ago, my god, so. it's going to kick in soon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, Bill Gates is a great man. What? what anyway, <laughs> this is perfect timing. And when you said chips, I went back to America in my head. I'm like, we call that the Super Bowl. Hey, oh, <laughs> I call them crisps. Chips in me. Um, I mean, you guys are all on the right track. The list itself was a list of all the scientists and engineers who'd worked in service to the Third Reich. Okay. Shudder. So the U.S. recruits scientists from the list to come and work in the United States for them. Right. How many scientists and engineers do you think they recruited to work in the U.S.? Well, are they forcibly recruited, though? Because they could just get all of them and just say, you have to come here. They're not forcibly recruited, but I reckon when you've just worked for the Nazis for a few years, it's probably harder to get a job there. So I think most were happy to do this. Oh, I think tons. It's like they were selling the American dream as well in terms of like, because NASA, like that's the thing that. I've watched, uh, what did I watch? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, oh, Hunters. This great, it's a great show on Amazon Prime. Oh, and yeah. that's all about the fact that, well, sort of about this, but about NASA, about the fact that um, NASA took a lot of scientists, like Nazi scientists as well. So this was like a huge thing. So I think it was like, I mean, I don't know how many scientists there were, but if there were hundreds, then hundreds would have would have come, definitely. I think hundreds. there's probably very few all right. who didn't. So most of them. Okay. Yeah, because because we don't know how many there were on the list, right? Yeah, we don't. Okay. No. Yeah, um, I think any hundreds from Hannah. Any other guesses? Well, because we don't know if they might have been hating working for the Nazis, but they had to, or they might have really loved the Nazis and thought that it was great. So, well, this is true. Yeah. If there were some diehard Nazi fans, they might not want to come to America, but probably, yeah, I still think most of them came. What's your number? 75%. <laughs> how many? I don't, I don't know how many's on the list. So you don't need to know how many's on the list. It's a guessing game. Okay. Um, <laughs> 1,000. Okay. <laughs> mm, okay, so these, these scientists, I wonder if they cut a deal with America, like so that they don't get done, but they work. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, you know, we, we, we won't prosecute you, but you could have kind of got to work. Yeah, they pay now. off their war crimes. And if, yeah, so if that was the case, it really depends. Like you'd have to be Hitler himself, hard, <laughs> diehard Nazi who, you know, would rather kill himself than yeah. up. How many then from that? And that's actually quite sickening then because you think, well, You'd want a hundred percent to say, "Well, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna be good now. Yeah. I'm, gonna, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I realize my bad mistakes. I'm gonna you know, yeah. resolve this." Yeah. Um, so I'd like to say a hundred percent, but I think there probably were still quite a lot because obviously the fact that we still prosecuted World War. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe thirty-five to forty percent. Okay. But yes, the total number was sixteen hundred. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. 
I don't know how many were on the list. Sorry, that's why when you're saying percentages, I'm like, I don't know, but it was a lot. And Sajila, your thinking there is spot on. And it was very much kind of this mutual thing. Like, well, we need you and you need us to make these papers go away. So they really covered up the background that linked any of them to any war crimes. It was like, just come have a job. We won't ask any questions. Yeah. I mean, we look, we've all left stuff out in job interviews. I think we can relate. (laughs) You know, like if they say like, what's your worst trait? You're probably going to say perfectionism instead of like work for the the, the Nazis. I'm just. What they're going to say it was what? Sorry, there seems to be a gap in your CV between 14. And 14. <laughs> right. Where were you? What were you doing? <laughs> so this recruitment was all part of a covert operation called Operation Paperclip. Oh, that's what's in Hunters. So it's the same. Yes, it's the same The same thing. I mean, I assumed it would be because some scientists will yes. go to NASA. Some will go to MK Dons. No, MK Ultra. MK Ultra, which, yeah, I just really like Operation Paperclip because it's this horrific thing going on. And then I picture the little Microsoft Office paperclip popping up. Like, it looks like you're creating a project to torture your Cold War enemies. <laughs> Need any help? Love it. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of lists in that era, isn't there? Like So like- many lists. Yeah, they were funded their list during the war war years. Okay, so the U.S. believed that the Soviets were using mind control at this time to torture prisoners of war. And they basically wanted to know how their guys would hold up to it. So that's the whole purpose of MKUltra. Yeah. Wow. And also, what can we use in return? And so their aim was, can we control people's minds, get confessions, torture them, do whatever we want with drugs? So next question, what drug do you think they studied the most for this purpose? Well, they want to do like a truth serum or something, maybe. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, Like LSD or something, like kind of one of the sort of more psychedelic drugs? It was LSD. Breakfast Club. Don't even go around. Breakfast Club. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you get the thing as well. It kind of just sounds like I've shouted Breakfast Club. I'm doing the hand as well, everyone. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. My favourite films. It's so good. (laughs) It's really good. I haven't watched it in a while. I need to watch it like every two years. I'm almost coming up on the two year. Yeah. Viewing. Um, They also tested meth, barbiturates, mescaline, some other things. But LSD was the star of the show. So now to this question, what was illegal about the studies they began conducting on people? I mean, spoiler, a whole lot of things. But what was the main reason that some of these experiments were illegal? Well, it possibly they didn't have consent and the people didn't know they were being dosed with LSD. Like they just started putting it in the water or something. Okay. But also maybe the laws were different. So what would be considered illegal now was probably might have been fair game Mm. then. So what, you know, like with thalidomide and stuff, laws get changed. There's different practices for what, you know, what's a safe test thing. Yeah. yeah. In conclusion, I do not know. (laughs) I was going to agree with Katie saying they didn't get consent. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like okay. consent or like just in terms of scientific experiments, maybe they weren't able to sort of test them in a way that is, but, but just testing things badly isn't illegal in terms of well, science. Well, so, so there's supposed to, there's like field test, no, there's like lab tests and then there's field tests, isn't there? Did they so give like, a mice, a mouse with an ear on its back LSD? Because then I'm interested. 
<laughs> Everything was so loud. What yeah. else does it have to be freaked out about then? <laughs> Guys, I see an ear on my back. They're like, we do too, Paul. It's there. <laughs> Drunk women solving crime. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You guys are all correct. So Katie, turns out you do know spot on. This was illegal at the time because it was part of what was established when the war ended. It was called the Nuremberg Code. Oh. And it was established to prevent the atrocities which had happened during the Second World War. And the first rule of Nuremberg Club is you can only experiment on willing participants. Okay. But loads of the victims of MK Ultra had no idea what they were signing up for or they didn't sign up at all. It was sort of like acid Brexit. Oh, so. is it like so people are like, yeah, I'll be in a drug trial, but they don't know what it is or they don't even know they're in a drug trial. Yep. There was quite a range. There were some people okay. that were fully aware, but then there was sort of like, oh, no, it's a really safe thing that we know a lot about. You know, so there was a huge range, but there were a lot of people that had no idea at all that Can they I were even part of an experiment. Really quickly, tell you something that always really yeah. made me laugh is my mate. We're at the pub one night and um, it was quite a good night. And she had like 2000 written across her arm and it was way after the year 2000. I was like, what are you, why have you got that written down your arm like that? And it was because she was doing some medical trials like a week later, but she couldn't drink. She wasn't allowed to drink. So she had to write 2000 on her arm to remind herself at the pub not to drink because she'd lived 2000 pounds. And it just always really made me laugh. What was the amount? Yeah, it was the amount of money. She was like 2000 pounds. Um, and that's what that's she had to do. Awesome. Wow. That's like when people write themselves a check for a million dollars. But like... <laughs> <laughs> much smaller. <laughs> Actually, that, 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 that what you just um, said, Hannah, was like what I was going to go with. It's like obviously they probably, when you say consent, you can get it by giving offering money. So obviously, you know, like sperm donating, donating sperm, or you yeah, medical trials. If you're, you know, students who want to make a bit of extra money, mm-hmm. you would just think, well, you know, just there's nothing to it, and so therefore you kind of manipulated someone to give you consent yeah because like they're like oh it could be the placebo or it could be mind-altering lsd right now that's a good point because what you know we don't do it for fun it's usually when you're desperate for two grand that Mm. you decide to do it um so this project was launched by dr Sidney gottlieb he was a chemist um he was very well respected uh by the cia but he basically operated with their blessing because they turned a blind eye. So it was basically do whatever you want. Just don't tell us what it is. Oh. Which always leads men to do great things, I find. Wow. Yeah. So his goal in this was to 
quote, blast out the existing mind of people and insert a new one and see if that was possible. So uh, Dr. Gottlieb buys literally the world's entire supply of LSD. And I thought that was a gross exaggeration of an article. And then I found two other articles that said he literally bought the world's (laughs) supply. I don't know how that's possible. He spent $240,000 and he starts sending it off to various locations in the U.S. to administer to various subjects. Where do you think he sent the LSD to administer to people? What sorts of places would they distribute it to people? Knowingly or? Well, both, a combination of both. Well, so university towns. Yeah, <laughs> universities. Yep. The students want um, the money for the trials. And then there's like students that can carry out the work as well for like cheap labor. Of, universities, like, absolutely. Um, Festivals, like. <laughs> I was going to say festivals with hippies, hippie. It kind of feels like if you're looking for somewhere where there's lots of natural drug taking, then perhaps, yeah, somewhere like a festival. It's quite possible Woodstock was all part of MKUltra, to be honest, when you think (laughs) back on it. It's it's 53, right? It's too early for Woodstock. Oh, I know. But I mean, in the the scheme of things over 20 years, who's administering it? Okay, yeah. Whose idea? How did that? Yeah. Yeah. Any other spots you think they might have? Stars. Tested out like what music musicians music musicians <laughs> ah, well quite a few musicians did sign up for this yes um some of the other places were prisons um oh. hospitals even libraries were used as testing centers for people to sign up um wow books so- are mind-altering guys you don't need lsd <laughs> yeah that's all the drugs you need <laughs> books are all the drugs i need i want that on a t-shirt I really do too. Except I like drugs too. So I Shakespeare don't know. is bacon. I want books and drugs. <laughs> books and drugs. That's what my shirt will say. <laughs> books, drugs, and moderate rock or roll. I've got this badge and it says on it, I like big books and I cannot lie. <laughs> I love that. It's you perfect. should wear that all the time. How have we never seen this? <laughs> I've lost it. Some people did sign up voluntarily, including some high profile people. And lots of those people, it should be said, had a great time and became huge advocates of LSD. Because guess what? When you consent to things, it tends to be a more pleasurable experience. Go figure. Um, So one of the high profile participants wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Ken Kesey. One was the lyricist from The Grateful Dead, who took (gasps) all of his inspiration from these experiments, the acid test, they called them. But another became one of the most well-known domestic terrorists in the United States. Any guesses who that might have been? Charles Manson? No, No. it's too early for him. Domestic terrorists in the US? In the, what, 60s, 50s? Um, Well, no, later, actually. Quite later. Quite Quite a few years later, after this program was... Long shutdown. So, what decade? I was going to say in our lifetimes, but then I looked at Hannah Jordan and went, but was it? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) In most of our lifetimes, you would have remembered this story, even if you were really little. The Unabomber. Yes, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. And so he turned out fine. One experiment, um, There are just, because of how records were kept, which is very badly, 
Because another thing that they were instructed is don't write too much down. We don't want too much of this documented. Yeah. So this was from the beginning, a very hush hush thing. Um, But we know that there were just untold tragedies. There were deaths. Yeah. In one experiment, a patient in a mental hospital was continuously given LSD for 170 days without his knowledge. Um, There were also experiments done in detention centers outside the U.S., in Germany, Japan, and the Philippines. Jesus. So you can imagine, you know, when you're that far from the radar, like even further um, they were doing whatever they huge wanted. Huge abuse. Huge, huge abuse. Torture. You know, there were people that testified later that they were doing things like sensory deprivation. Oh and, my God. You know, you don't have to know that much about acid to know it can lead to severe paranoia, psychosis, um, illness, yeah. you know, just devastating effects. So if you've ever wondered why Generation X is so messed up, these were our parents. That's what <laughs> hit me during this. I'm like, what if? I don't even know. <laughs> but my God, um, they did something called Operation Midnight Climax. Uh oh. And uh oh. It sounds like something from Barbarella. <laughs> it's, it really does. And it's not even an accidental, oh, that sounds sexual. It involved <gasps> sex workers. Oh, the sex sorry for workers. The uh, no, 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 no. I mean, it's, <laughs> it retracts that hayo. It's super duper not okay, but the sex workers were in on it, which does not mean they were consenting to it, but they were in on it. Um, what do you think it entailed? What do you think they were studying? What did they do? Were the sex workers giving the drugs to their clients? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, when I say they're in on it, the thing is, they understood that that was going to be happening, that they were going to be drugging their clients yeah. and observing in some way. But what they didn't realize is that CIA agents were watching them through two-way mirrors. So wow. they would have them bring them to specific hotel rooms that were rigged. Wow. And this is where it gets... Even darker? I mean, even darker. Yeah, exactly. All A lot of these agents that testified about this experience described it as a party. They would get alcohol behind the mirror, so they're drinking. Ooh. Um, oh, no. And it, this is super dark, but I, I really need to read this because there's a blood-curdling quote from one of the guys that worked on Operation Midnight Climax. Um who was interviewed later. I toiled wholeheartedly because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill and cheat, steal, deceive, rape and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the all highest? Wow. Hang yeah. on a minute. What do you have the name of that guy? I do. I didn't write it in the in the thing. I think he's the guy that worked in the FBI and um is he the same guy that went off to Billy Holiday? I've heard but if that you recognize qu- that quote, that's very interesting. So maybe, yeah, maybe he did. In this quote, he's like, Oh, I was just a minion. I was a nobody. So I didn't get the sense he moved on to something, but maybe he did. Let's cross-reference our assholes. Do I know that in. quote from? It's really it, blood curdling. It's just mm. so, so creepy. One of the most controversial incidents, hard to choose one. <laughs> Um, But one of the most notorious things which happened during all of this involved an agent called Frank Olson, 
who is the grandfather of the Olsen twins. No way. No, he's not. I'm just <laughs> no trying to get <laughs> into an extremely dark case. No, so Frank was at a CIA retreat and he drank a cocktail which had been spiked with LSD, which he didn't realize. And just a few days later, something happens to Frank. What do you think happens? He can see through time. Okay. And he sees the Olsen twins and he's like, my babies. <laughs> <laughs> so he's obviously hallucinating, right? A few days later. Is that right? So it's a he do- wouldn't still be. No, he wouldn't still be hallucinating. But something happens a few, a few days, days later. later. Yeah. I mean, I could go dark and does he kill himself? Yes and no. So I will tell you, you're right. He falls to his death from a window in the Statler Hotel in New York City. The CIA immediately (laughs) reports it as a suicide due to work-related stress. However, there's a ton of suspicious things about this. One is that Frank had just called his family a couple hours before this happened, and he was in really good spirits saying that he he was feeling better because he had been tripping and now he felt fine. There were whispers, though, that Frank was becoming something of a whistleblower, that he didn't agree with the ethics of what was going on. And he was dissatisfied about it and that he was even considering leaving the CIA. So there was another reason that his death was suspicious and it had something to do with the actual hotel, the actual structure of the hotel. So what do you think that might have been? Like the way it was that somebody must have pushed him or he wouldn't have, the door was locked or there was something about the way he fell that he'd have had to really do it he'd have to be superhuman to climb that high to jump over the balcony or something were there like yeah. windows that wouldn't fully open because I've certainly been in hotel hotel rooms where I've been like you know I've got to open a window because we do not smell great and like <laughs> <laughs> got to open the fart window at night and um, I've often thought oh I wish that went a bit wider so <laughs> is it just that you have to have a special key to make it go wider and mm-hmm. oh, is that- there a special key? Because it really irritates me that they don't <sighs> open. I get claustrophobic and I need to open window open. Mm. If anything, it makes me want to top myself. Because <laughs> I'm so like, come on, just open a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. I feel trapped. If you're really yeah. determined though, you just smash the window, surely. <laughs> yeah. If you're really determined to sort of jump from a one story, you know, sure. um, premier in. You've landed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. You've landed on the right thing. It had to do with the windows. They were too small for anyone to get out of. And when you look at the photo of the Statler, just too small for anyone to get out of without a lot of help, like without being pushed out. I mean, I looked at them like I would have to be buttered out of these windows. (laughs) Definitely. You know, this is the CIA, right? So they're like, nope, case closed. But his family never stopped feeling suspicious that Mm. foul play was happening. So Gottlieb, back to this guy, he was finally satisfied by 1973 that you can't really use LSD for mind control. It was all worth it. Uh Um, And the program finishes. The director of the CIA at the time orders him to do something once MKUltra is shut down. By the way, listeners, I looked in so many sources and I can't find out why they called it MKUltra. It was originally called Operation Bluebird. And then they changed it to MK Ultra, but I couldn't find, like, what's the MK? What's the... Do you know, I've got a mate that is so into all this stuff. I'm going to ask him later. And if... Thank you. If he knows, I will let you know and we can add it on at the end of the episode. Because I was like, I have to reveal, like, what's the MK? Could not find it. Oh, what There's if it is so Michael much. Keaton? That'd be fucking... Michael Keaton. 
who was three when the <laughs> program ended. He did a lot of LSD as the three-year-old. He's going he's gonna to do things. Mr. Mom is going to be a real feminist. Hit. <laughs> so what was the question? The question the was, director oh. of the CIA instructs Gottlieb to do something once the program is shut down. Burn all the records? Burn all the records. Oh my God, it really is. It really is. Oh, wow. It's like yeah. me and several WhatsApp groups. I'm just like, burn it down, get rid of it. We've said too much shit. There's so much to relate to in this case. We hold in here in yeah. one form or another. Um, yeah, destroy the evidence. So in 1973, they destroy most of the files kept, even though the files were kept slightly vague. They did keep records. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of different sites. Over so they're all keeping... Time. Yeah, over a very long time. So it's impossible. So, so how do we know anything about this? Somebody's kept something. Well, we shall get to that. <laughs> In fact, right now. How's right now for you? <laughs> well, what they couldn't account for is every single file. And lots of people are still alive. They haven't killed everybody. So people are going to start talking about this no matter what they do. But it came down to mostly one New York Times journalist, as it always does, <laughs> called Seymour Hirsch. So he had been approached by a few people who had either worked you know, for the CIA or had been victims of this. Um, and he wrote an expose about the operation, which caused a huge stir and it led to a huge investigation. Um, so something else happened around this time. Now we're in the early 70s, which made the public distrust of the U.S. government like the worst it's ever been. So what might have been happening then? Ooh, when was Kennedy shot? Oh, that was 62. Earlier. Oh, earlier. And then they'd just been to the moon, though. So you would have thought, like, yes. That was we 69. Are... Yeah, so, like, when, when, when are we talking? 73. Yeah. Um, disco. Everyone hates disco. Um, it's that. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, this is like the Olsen twins. I believe that for a second. What? I feel like I should so know this. Mm. 73, they don't trust the government. To be fair, there's a fuckload of stuff going on in the yeah. late 60s, early 70s. It's like, take your pick of Vietnam War. Um, it it's, was... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not going to come up with it in time. <laughs> oh, Katie, I want you to. I want You guys guess, you. and these guys haven't guessed. Okay. I guess Space and Kennedy. Space and Kennedy. <laughs> but they're both like... My favorite eighties band, <laughs> I guess. Oh, Nixon, the the Watergate scandal. Watergate. I got yes. Katie got Watergate. Yes. Katie got Watergate. I am not a crook. So <laughs> huge scandal. So something called the Rockefeller Commission was launched to look into illegal CIA activity across the board. Not just this. There was all sorts of stuff. So they got a lot of things exposed and everything's just been totally tickety-boo and ethical since in the U.S. Like we haven't <laughs> had anything. It's good you guys solved it. I'm so glad we solved it. We're good with, uh, you know, Cold War, Soviet, yeah, North nothing Korea, bad has everything fine That's great. <laughs> so I wanted to get back to Frank Olson, the agent. His family ordered his body to be exhumed and examined. I didn't write down the year. I think it was 1994, though. Did they find anything suspicious? Oh, yeah. They're going to have found, like, his neck was broken before he even hit the ground or something. Okay. Drugs in his body. Like, they tested him. They might have found something. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Gosh, it's so hard, isn't it? Like, what would... Because, what, we're talking 30 years later or something? Like... Mm. 
20, yeah. 30 years later. 25, yeah. Yeah, so like what could they have? Did they have DNA by 94? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They definitely did. So it wasn't the person, maybe maybe that was it, was it wasn't the person. Ooh. Oh my God. Ooh, yeah, unless something, yeah, Deep something fake. like that. Something really twisty, like, did they, mm. like, even bury him with some of the Operation Paperclip stuff? He's alive like, to get rid of it. Germany. Yeah. What's crazy about this case is you would believe anything that happens yeah. next. That's the thing. I knew a little bit about this, but I really didn't get like how bad it was and how crazy it was. And it's like, it's the CIA. Anyway, they did find something. The family hired an impartial examiner, a qualified examiner, and he found evidence of injuries, which he was almost certain had occurred before he had fallen. Yeah. Okay. Um, namely a blow to the head, which was right. evident in a, in a skull fracture. I'm calling that a win for me. (laughs) (laughs) But what happens next is the state basically orders a second examination with a state examiner. To override. Who finds nothing wrong. Of course. Jesus Christ. Which leads to, I mean, you can just picture this family and how excruciating this is to go through. So there are lengthy, lengthy legal proceedings back and forth. So your final question is, what do you think the outcome was for the Olsen family besides Full House, which is Out really a classic settlement now. because the government's got all the power and they want they can get this hushed up. OK, the, the only way out for the family is to like at least they've got some money. OK, I think that they wouldn't have just gone for the money if they if ah. they pursued it that long. I think that they would have wanted an outcome and maybe they did get justice i'm hoping Ooh. maybe well you know. I, I hope sajili is right hmm. yeah i think i think you're completely right about the family i think they would yeah want that sort of justice but it feels bought. like yeah and it feels like we know a lot more about it now so mm. you know there, there's there could actually just be i think that they did get justice Katie was right <laughs> Oh, Katie was spot on. Katie, spot oh, on. Right. Oh no! Yeah, they out of court settlement. Yeah, and I don't. You know, it's when you hear the amount. They definitely weren't even bought. Who know? Like, who knows what they were told? Who knows what they were put through? Like, this is where your head. No wonder people sit and talk about conspiracy theories because yeah. you hear about this, and it's like. I bet they were harassed. I bet people were yeah. following them. Like, who knows what they did to shut them up? And you can just bankrupt yourself trying to appeal. Like, you, it doesn't end. You're just, you're over. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine how much they spent. So they were awarded a settlement of $750,000. That's nothing. nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And they got a formal apology from former President Gerald Ford. And the then director of the CIA, William Colby. Oh, no. Not well, enough. If one of my rallies had died under, I, I wouldn't just want an apology. I want a bit more an apology in the 750,000. And that might probably sounds like a lot of people, the money to other people. But I think maybe they just got exhausted from, yeah. you know, some, they probably got advised that they weren't going to go any further. They, weren't, they were just going to bankrupt themselves because yeah. the, the, the government lawyers they can just wait down the clock till that family's got no money left 
Like it just and goes it would on become and on. your whole life. Yeah. I mean, you would spend every waking hour, which would become more and more because I doubt you're sleeping much. You know, like it's just so yeah. insane what families go through just just on much smaller cases in this, too. So it's like, wow, trying to yeah take down a government agency who can only admit so much fault and loves to say like, well, the president at the time was that like, Gerald, we're going to need an apology. What? So. It's a super dark case. It doesn't really have a very happy ending. I'm sorry about that. But I would like to raise our glasses to Frank Olson and his family and to informed consent. Cheers. And the Grateful Cheers. Dead. Dead. And the Grateful <laughs> Dead, yo. And Mary and Kate. <laughs> That's what MK is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Drunk women solving you're listening to Taylor's Take on Talk Sport. We are live at the Euros Soccer Ball, and we've got a blue team and a sort of, I want to say off-white team. Oh, something's happening. Elise Schifferly, is that right? Almost scored there after a pass by Crystal. It says Crystal, but I don't have the full name here. Sorry. Now, Bohemian Coco Nat, who I think is a defense person because they're on the right side of the field my right i mean i don't know which side that means for you and bohemian just let a bonk right off her head that's amazing look no hands ma now it's gone to the other team laura elizabeth is running really fast and kicking it to caroline Tavate. she's a new recruit from norway full of promise this one uh and they're kicking it around a little it's mostly just going back and forth after a while, it's just like watching Chandler and Joey play foosball on Friends. This has been Taylor's Take on TalkSport. It's time for our listener crime, guys. We've got time to solve a listener crime. We got this really recently, and I jumped on it. In 2008, I was robbed while living in Alberta, Canada. It has been a matter of debate among friends for quite some time if I was actually robbed or not. I had exited the cash point vestibule um, of the bank, having just withdrawn $60 in cash when I was approached by an extremely jittery, twitching man with his hand in his coat pocket. He claimed to have a knife and demanded $40. I immediately handed over the entire amount I had withdrawn and was then surprised when he immediately returned $20, said thank you, and quickly left. Um... So she reports this incident to the police and they give her an explanation for what they think happened. But I thought I would throw it out to you. Um, why do you think someone would ask for $40 and then give her the change back? So maybe this guy wanted to rob her and then thinks, yeah, I'm going to pretend I've got a knife in my pocket. And then he gets to it and she gives him and he wants a specific amount because he thinks that's the only way he can get it. So he says, I want $40, very specific, $40. Um, and then she gives it to him and then he feels bad that he's just robbed this woman. It's not who he is. You know, it's not who he is. Right. <laughs> uh, just into just into her. Like who said that it was not who we are. Um, and he <laughs> says, no, here's $20 back. I think he basically was trying to like, he's a good person reduced to having to do a right. rob. And then gives twenty dollars back as, as as just look. See, I'm not really all bad. You okay. know, I did actually need forty, but I'm going to give you twenty back because I'll rob it. I'll, I'll. So it's like a loan, love. 
So she she witnessed like his conscience kicking in. Yeah, he specifically only needed $40, not a penny more. Okay. Yeah, maybe it was something local that he was going to like, was he going to put, I don't know, put a bet on or buy something from a shop that was exactly $40? Like, was it just a case of something around there cost $40? Was it like outside, she was what, she was in Canada, was there a... like a ice hockey game that cost 40 pounds to get in or a basketball game. That, I'm just trying to think of things I did when I went to Canada. Let's, let's hit all the... <laughs> that's why I said what I did when I went to Canada. I'm not stereotyping. She oh, wanted no. tons of poutine. She wanted... Yeah, she wanted that $40 poutine. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Canadian listeners. Hey, we... that, they have ice hockey. That's not... I. I actually, They're see. very proud of their poutine. And I know this because I had to do a voiceover about a poutine truck. <laughs> and I had to sound more Canadian, so <laughs> oh was it God, for a Canadian so company? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why okay. they hired me. <laughs> I think that would be my uh, drag name, Poutine Truck. Poutine <laughs> <laughs> Truck. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think he. That he is was... not a sexy thing to boast that you have cheese curds <laughs> <laughs> and chips. Come on. And gravy. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sorry, I think something, something around in the area was $40 and that's all he needed. Or maybe, this is my only other guess, her or someone in her family owed him or someone in his family $40. Oh. And he was taking it back. Interesting. Okay. Well, you're all on to the right thing. So she reports the incident <laughs> to the police. Their explanation was... That at the time, $40 was the common price point for a very popular street drug at the time. Oh. And obviously, he he's showing these symptoms of withdrawal, right? Like, he's really jittery and twitchy. So. Wait, is this poutine? No, that's not, <laughs> that's not a street drug. <laughs> okay. But why didn't he keep the other 20? He's halfway to his next hit. Yeah, but I guess the rationale being that he doesn't want to have to take money from anybody and okay. he's not thinking the thing with addiction is you're not thinking okay. past your next yeah. hit. So it's literally like, I just need that. Um, but she says that her friends have debated for a long time if she was actually robbed or not. I'm like, I think it counts as being robbed, even if you get some change. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Still the counts. only time that it wouldn't be would be that if she sort of somehow misheard the thing about the knife and he was like, can I have $40? I need $40. And he was kind of, more, it was more of a kind of begging situation. And he oh. thought he was just asking for it. And in the, in the moment she was like, oh my God, he's got his hand in his pocket. He might've said, you look nice. And he, she might've heard it as right. you look nice in my pocket. You know, that's what I do when people compliment me. I'm like, you've said something horrible. Oh man, it's <laughs> I just, just can't no, hear it. No, Hannah's, Hannah's onto something. Cause I'm, cause since I got deaf, I don't hear the things that I hear. I was with Bisha, Kate, Ali a few years ago in Brighton. We're outside and I thought these people had come out of the show that we just done. And this guy was talking to me, smiling. And I smiled back, said, oh, how are you? And Bisha was going, what are you doing? She's digging me. I said, what's the matter? And she said, no, he's not our friend, Sajila. He's been really racist to you. And I said, yeah, but he was really smiling. And so I couldn't hear any of the the racist stuff. So I was just thought he was being really nice. Oh, but wow. I think I win because 
he looked really confused. So <laughs> <laughs> you do what your superpower yeah, is baffling people. I'm gonna, I would have robbed someone for $40 to just to go and have a Tim Hortons because I got so addicted to them when I was in Canada. <laughs> I love Tim Hortons. I one up in this country or something. I read that somewhere. Really? It's coming to the UK. I, I did read that somewhere, but I think I read it about four years ago and I haven't seen one, but I've also not been out for the last year. Maybe, so. maybe COVID killed the Tim Horton dream. You gotta wonder. I'm really sorry that all we ever bring you is like Taco Bell. <laughs> Apologize for that. Well, I hope that helps. Interesting story. I thought it was interesting because it tied in a little bit because it had to do with drugs possibly. Mm. So we have just enough time to ask. Sajila, what are you up to? Tell us what you have going on. Where should we check you out? Well, during lockdown, started a thing with Julian Hall called Let's Kill Twitter because we just got sick of like everyone being so horrible on Twitter. So we just thought we'd detox our timelines um, with with Twitter. So that's on uh, so alternate Sundays. It's with our two guests, and then in between, it's called the Sorbet Show, which is me and Julian sort of just kind of like reflecting what's happened the last week. LKT Zoom is our our Twitter handle, and mine okay. is at Sajila Kershi, S-A-J-E-E-L-A-K-E-R-S-H-I. I should be going back on tour with my Immigrant Diaries and my Fight Sucker Girl, which is where there is a beautiful, I guess, a payoff to that story <laughs> that I just told at the beginning about yeah. um, you know, the crime that I faced. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Just, just follow me on Twitter. And are there tour dates booked in? Can we buy tickets now? Oh, yes, there are. They're going to be uh, starting probably from August onwards. So, Gila, oh my goodness, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest, yeah, telling such amazing, amazing stories. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute joy. Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman with music by The Lion and the Wolf. You can follow us on on Twitter at Drunk Women Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Women Solving Crime. And please review us on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you've got a petty crime you want us to solve, then please write it in that review and we'll solve it. Thank you so much to ACAST for hosting us and thank you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 